Hello, Bold and Conscious Leader. Welcome to our new and refreshed season of the Bold Conscious Connections podcast, where we bring to you people who have shown special courage, character, and consistency to express themselves fully. After all, as long as we're alive, we want to live a full life, don't we? So our guests that we bring demonstrate that they do not want to die with their gifts because we're all meant to be given gifts that we share with others. And this is how we play our part in raising our collective consciousness in this world through this podcast called Bold Conscious Connections. So without further ado, let me bring on our guest today. There is always a first time for everything. Well, this was my first to have a couple on my show, a couple who are entrepreneurs and truly contemporary and representative of our times that we live in today. There are so many takeaways in this conversation. For those of you who are simply wanting to find some courage to start a business or start a dream of your own, whatever it might be. Perhaps you're looking to balance your career and your personal life and relationships. Perhaps you're looking to keep your relationships fresh, just like these two do. Or perhaps you want to create little reminders each day to embrace what's truly valuable and important in your life. So Susanna and Doug Winters have a fascinating story to tell. From their perspective, their turning points in their lives, how they met, their journey from the West Coast to the East Coast, and then to the South of the United States, where I met them. So I met Susanna at a business mentoring center of which I'm a part. I was really taken by her love of life, her devotion to her husband, her young children, while also being really intensely devoted to her new business called Hilton Head Coffee. That is a story unto itself, and you'll hear about that. Her husband, Doug, is another remarkable individual who is so heartwarming and loving, you can't miss it. He's devoted to everything that he's ever done in his life, and he continues to, to show that, demonstrate that in, in his love for his family, his business, his clients, both in the real estate venture that he has been part of for a while, and now as the chief roaster for his wife's venture. Well, their venture, I should say. He's a man who's constantly learning and applying. You can just tell from, from this conversation. So their detailed backgrounds are in the show notes. I'm eager, though, for you to really listen to this wonderful conversation. So here's this episode. Well, I want to welcome Susanna and Doug entrepreneurs live near me and I've got to know Susanna over the last year or so and I'm delighted to welcome the two of you you know I'll have your introductions about your backgrounds I know that Doug you're a consummate real real estate guy turn entrepreneur and you also do real estate right now and Susanna you have had an, an amazing background and rather than talk about what you do let's talk about who both of you are and who are you Susanna and then Doug the same question for you in terms of like roles that I fill I'm a mom I am a partner, a wife, a friend, but I guess if I dig a little bit deeper than that, I think I am a specific type of risk taker <laughs> All right. and I'm for sure a creator, but not necessarily the traditional sense. And also, I think I'm also someone that's constantly looking to develop myself and grow. There's got to be a word for that, <laughs> but, but that's definitely a big part of who I am for sure. Okay, Doug, you, who is Doug Winters rather than what he does? Uh, first and foremost, I am uh, a husband and a dad. 
two roles which I've taken on probably later than most people do in life. You know, first and foremost, no doubt, husband and dad to two kids. I look at myself as somebody who sees the world with a sense of humor lens in almost everything. I think that there's um there's a lot of things that go on in the world and I tend to find the humor and the irony sometimes in a lot of things that go on. I've had a few different careers here. I'm a licensed civil engineer. I practiced for about 15 years. I'm also a licensed math and science teacher and I did that in my early 20s. I've been in the real estate game for about 20, but I've been a, a broker, agent broker for about uh, since 2007. Well, you know, the stories make the world go around. And um, our audience here is largely, if I was to able to analyze it, mostly you know, entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs, wannabe entrepreneurs, leaders in different ways, and who are inspired by people like yourselves who come and say, you know, how did they do this? What did they do? In terms of the story, maybe what's interesting for me, at least right now, would be how did you guys meet? <laughs> That's actually a funny story. So can I start or do you want to start? Go ahead. So we actually met in a leadership program, a leadership program through Landmark Education. I was coming into the program and it's a seven month program. I was coming into the program. Doug had just sort of graduated and moved on to being a coach in that program. That's where we met. And I remember being like, I was like, I want to be in the program, but I don't want to have to do all the things that are going to make me uncomfortable. And I remember when they introduced the coaches, Doug was like up on the stage. And I thought to myself, who is this guy? I better not get him as a coach. <laughs> and then, <laughs> of course, who do I get as my coach? But Doug Winters, who like drove me nuts for about six months. I guess it was like around towards the end of the program. I realized like I was interested in more, but you can't date your coach in that program. It's like off limits. And we were like, we want full integrity around this. And so I definitely pursued him, which is kind of funny because he's also 15 years older than me. Kind of history, honestly. He'll say I like moved in shortly after, even though <laughs> technically mm. I did not meeting that way and meeting in situations where we were having real conversations about life and what we want. And also, even though he was a coach, like both of us are developing ourselves in that program. Mm -hmm. I think it's sort of for our relationship, it was kind of a foundation of like, okay, we're two people who are willing to work on life, work on these things. And I don't, you know, looking back on it, I don't even think we knew the half of what with the next, you know, 10, nine or 10 years would have in store for us. First impressions are funny. You know, <laughs> she didn't want me as a coach and I didn't want a petulant 26 year old girl to coach either. <laughs> so, you know, I, I uh, you know, first impressions can be right. They can be wrong. Sometimes they're spot on, but you know, I think, you know, when you deal with things like integrity, you know, in the sense that we were sort of trained in it, keeping an, an empowering context and having your life work, even though things are going wrong and there's things happening, it's like, you know, making sure that, you know, you have that, that empowering context. It's really important. And when you do that with somebody on almost a daily basis for months and months, you really get to know them. We got to know each other before we started dating. I always joke that, you know, we went out on a Friday night and she never left. Uh, <laughs> uh, so when you really learn what somebody's really about in a really unguarded manner, it allows you to really see people for who they are. For me, like I completely appreciate one of the things I actually too, I'll say, but one of them is like, she takes action 
begrudgingly takes mm -hmm. action sometimes, mm -hmm. but will take action on things to just get something done and being able to look at yourself and understand that, hey, you know, I the way I see the world may not be the way it actually exists. I think it's a big deal seeing that in other people, especially Susanna, you know, I think is a, you know, it's kind of a gift. It's incredible when you're meeting in that community where you're really so uplifted and you'll overcome anything. So the fact that you meet in that way and then, you know, you become life partners, that's got to be beautiful in many ways. And yes, I know that life is not always rosy and things are always happening and your sense of humor probably helps you in many ways and <laughs> to each other. So, Sometimes. <laughs> I think one of, the biggest, one of the biggest gifts to that training program that we went through was like taking stock in what's actually things are and looking at them right. through a clear lens, Absolutely. as opposed to bringing your thoughts and feelings and all kinds of things into what's actually happening. And I think, mm -hmm. um, you know, look, we're human. We get caught right. up in, in how our mind works and all that stuff. And when it comes down to it, like, you know, if you ask either one of us to like take a break and look at what, what's actually happening, that's a skill we've both developed in her longer than me, no doubt. She had that training as a kid even. So I think that's a really, really good ability to solve problems both in life and business and, you know, take steps forward. Fantastic. So, you know, often how I write my books, et cetera, and all my work, I say that leadership and entrepreneurship is really a spiritual journey. We move subconsciously anyway, but we just don't realize it. So when you see things very clearly, that's got to be incredibly powerful to solve the world problems. However, I also know that transitions in our lives and pivots and opportunities and the pain comes from trauma of some sort or some obstacle you over, overcome, et cetera. So can you either individually or otherwise just talk a little bit about the obstacles or challenges you faced that became turning points for you in life to get to where you are today? I don't know if I necessarily think in terms of like trauma, but like really big challenges. I think when I like really experienced failure, I raced kayaks on the U.S. national team for, I guess, about 10 years I did. Towards the end of my time doing that, I like started losing passion for what I was doing and my times weren't improving. I didn't understand what was going on. And it was just like, there was probably a good couple years in there where I spent a lot of time like confused and not understanding and not really knowing how to seek answers in terms of like my performance. And it was all I did. So my identity was wrapped up in that and everything. And ultimately I retired in 2008 after Olympic trials and I didn't make the Olympic team. And, you know, I was prepared for that possibility. And I also felt like I finished like I had a personal best time that I could like put in the book. But when I left kayaking, there was certainly this like huge amount of like grieving that happened. Like this mm. was a role. This was something that I did where I had all my focus for 10 years. What I took from that and what I learned out of that and has since happened again, being able to like play all out at something and like really go for it. And then fail incredibly and like switch gears and and taking the time to sort of like regroup and it wasn't easy like there was a good probably like year to two years after that that I really was like grieving that and think, like wondering if I was then on the right path and all that I think when you go through that you just learn so much and you also learn that like you can reinvent yourself and you mm -hmm. can create what's next even if you didn't see it at all before and that's happened probably two really big times in my life, that being the first. And then when I left Lululemon after spending 
10 years with Lululemon Athletica and working in stores, like I went through a similar kind of dynamic. Well, again, when was Landmark? When did that fit into this, into the time frame? So Landmark, so I actually did the Landmark Forum when I was eight. I did the Young People's. So, but surely that's not what well, you meant, what Doug. You... <laughs> no, I went through that program when I was eight. It sort of laid kind of a foundation for self-growth. Uh -huh. But when I was going through all that stuff with, I did revisit Landmark in 2007, kind of the year before Olympic trials. That made a huge difference. Just having mm -hmm. a lot of that stuff on the forefront, it allowed me to kind of the BS that I was doing. <laughs> I met Doug in 2010. What about you, Doug? Wow. Yeah. I grew up in a you know middle-class household, middle child. So some of that still comes out in my personality, I think. You know, I think I learned early as, even as an athlete, I could overcome, and I think people can, you can overcome maybe sometimes a lack of ability with just some hard work and hustle. You know, I jumped into playing football for the first time, even, even though I played, you know, basketball and soccer, a little bit of baseball through as a young person. When I played football, my sophomore year of high school, I started playing. You know, after I got out of school, I went on as a, a walk-on on the Old Dominion University basketball team. What I'll call a suspect jump shot, poor dribbling skills. Probably not as fast as the guys I was playing with. Um, ended up making the team. And, you know, it was only because I hustled. At that point, I realized, like, I had used all of the talent that I had to be on that team. And it wasn't going anywhere. You know, I wasn't going to anywhere else. And I would probably never get a scholarship. And I would had just outlived that. But I, it, it was a good lesson in that. Like, hey, you know, you can get some stuff done if you, if you just work hard and hustle. You know, and I worked my way through college. Did three years uh, as a civil servant in the Navy and was in school full time. Got out. And I loved all that time I was working as a lifeguard on, on the beach in New Jersey. And I, I loved it. I decided to become a teacher. So my last year of school, I got certified, even though I'm a civil engineer, got certified to become a math science teacher. And mm -hmm. I did that for a few years. I, looking back on that, it was probably, I loved coaching. Uh, I was a head basketball yes. coach, but I also love, I loved working on the beach. Probably one of the best jobs being a lifeguard in the ocean. But talking about like how, you know, overcoming things, I juggled a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, even in the late nineties, I remember getting my master's degree all in one year finishing up my master's thesis, training for a marathon and finding a new job and moving like all within like a very, very short period of time. And I realized like, you know, if you're willing to put yourself forward with some goals, you can get some things done. Personally, I find that a little harder now because I have more responsibilities, you know, juggling, you know, a wife and two kids doesn't make it all about me anymore. And I'm, I'm constantly challenged with that. There was always something behind. I remember working as an engineer. I was, I was a well-paid engineer and I was probably antsy, I would say. Hmm. I love the challenge. I love solving problems, but I hate sitting at a desk all day. Can't stand it. Um, I can do it for periods, but if you ask me to sit down 40 hours a week at a desk, like. I'm in the wrong job. You know, I ended up starting to get into the real estate business while I was an engineer, starting to flip some houses and, and do those types of things. And I really enjoy that. However, there's one thing I should bring up. This is back in 1993, I believe. If we're talking about coffee, I know we're not talking about coffee yet, but <laughs> I remember this very distinctly. In Virginia Beach, they opened up a coffee shop. It was called First Colony. I remember going over there and thinking to myself, oh my God, how have I been missing this for all these years? You know, as a senior in college, I was exposed to that. They actually opened up, First Colony opened up a coffee shop in our student center a year after that. And so 
all of a sudden, instead of, I don't want to name businesses here, but instead of drinking convenience store coffee or gas station, <laughs> I had a chance to actually experience some real coffee. You know, that always sat with me. And I think secretly, I've always wanted to own a coffee shop. The sense I'm getting is that you overcame because you have this passion for life. You use tools like sense of humor, et cetera, to overcome ways because ultimately, you know, yes, hustle can do certain things, but your enthusiasm for what it is you want to pursue the hard work and all the other things that go with it sort of comes with that because you're so focused and passionate. So I think that's the sense I'm getting. Is that true, Susanna? Yeah. And the one thing I, I point out too, that one thing I love about Doug, and sometimes it drives me nuts as well, is he loves to learn, like thrives off of learning something new. And like, I joke and call him like a modern day Renaissance man. But he like, I mean, he's taken photography courses. He's always cooked. Like when he cooks, it's not just like, oh, let's cook a quick dinner. Right. It's like, let's make, I'm going to read like three hours in Cooks Illustrated and pick something out. And it's going to take, you know, 24 hours preparation to then do like he cooks something. And now he's like painting, which is so funny. <laughs> um, like he goes on Skillshare and he's doing all these. But he's always driven to learn something new. I just think that's awesome. Like he does mm. have passion and just does it for the joy of doing it. Like not trying to get anywhere with it. How you guys, you know, sort of connect on something. Surely there must be challenges in your relationship too. What allows you to overcome those? I know the kids are, I've, I've met your kids. <laughs> Doug and I go through phases like where like, we won't argue for like a few months or something like that. Mm. And then like for a month, we'll just get into like a ton of like stupid arguments, you know? Mm. And um, I remember one of the most recent arguments, I was thinking about it afterwards and I could feel my face red. And like, I was like, okay, do I want to be like right about this? Or can we just like move on and like get to mm. a place where we're experiencing like love. And honestly, like a lot of it is just like letting it go. Like, mm just letting it go, even though it's like those little things that like irk you. I think my current biggest challenge is just like being on system overload sometimes with the kids because our, our youngest child is going through a phase of where it's just like constantly being like interrupting. Mm -hmm. And when I'm trying to have a conversation with Doug, like sometimes it's so hard because like every time she interrupts, it's almost like the stress, like you can feel the stress level go out because you just want to get this last thing out. And mm -hmm. um, I think that's just a challenge is like, how do you keep your cool when it's like someone's just poking you and poking you and poking and it's, mm -hmm. <laughs> and honestly, I don't have a solution for it. It's like literally like, okay, when we all sort of get there, we just check in with the kids. It's like, okay, how about we start fresh from here? Mm -hmm. Let's just let it set it all aside and let's just start fresh. I say it to Doug now too. I'm like, can we just start fresh, you know, and we say it to the kids and the kids will bring it and That's say awesome. it to us now too, which is really funny. It's like, can we just start fresh? You guys are arguing. She's and... like, can we start fresh? Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've had to do it with the kids twice this morning before I left the house. Yeah. Uh, it can go from zero to like 12 in yeah. like an instant. In an instant. <laughs> So uh, I'm going to tie in, you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, who you are, your creator, Susanna. Doug brought up coffee since here we're talking about what business you started. It's called Hilton Head Island Coffee, right? Is that correct? Hilton Head Island Coffee Company or like Hilton Head Island Coffee Roasters. Right. Brought that about in terms of its manifestation as far as your expression. I know we're talking, you, we've talked about this, that we're all, our businesses are a unique expression of who we are, right? Because 
There's coffee shops galore, yeah. coffee roasters galore. Why you and what, what led to this? Crazy manifestation that was happening since, I mean, 2017, really. So jumping off of what Doug had said, how he couldn't be sitting down for work, or it really was the end of 2016. We had have our son, who's not yet one. We're living in San Diego. Doug came to me one day and he's like, I don't want to be inside all the time. I'm inside mm -hmm. all the time. And he has a magazine. He's like, what do you think of getting this coffee bike? And it was like a bike that had this whole like cafe attached to mm. it. You know, long story short, of course, I'm like, <laughs> you know, we have this house that we just bought that like needed work. We were Airbnb in one side. We have two big dogs. We have our son who's less than a year old. And I'm like, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> sure, bring and, it on. Yeah. So then we ended up, you know, uh, Doug lived in Washington, D.C. for a while. He has good friends there who've been operating, you know, restaurant businesses. And he had been talking to them. And we decided that we were going to do this in Washington, D.C. and have multiple coffee bikes. We found like lawyers that were going to help with permitting. And we owned the franchise for Washington, D.C. It was a Wheelie's Cafe. Uh, they have since gone out of business. I don't think there's a Wheelie's Cafe anymore. It was like the most challenging year ever, I think, <laughs> for like so many different reasons. You know, looking back on it, it's so funny because when that was not a fun year for me, like it was, I was still working for Lululemon, but it was really stressful in DC for a variety of reasons. I just wanted more time with our son. Like I felt like I was missing a whole bunch. We were trying to start these coffee carts on a bicycle in DC and DC was, they weren't giving us permits. We were like, literally every time we'd connect with them, it would be like, oh yeah, we'll have them in a week. And then, you know, a month would go by. And Doug was operating one of these bikes in Northern Virginia. So we got permits for the bike in Northern Virginia in like three days. We actually bought from two local coffee roasters in uh, DC and Northern Virginia. So and we varied it. We basically had wholesale accounts with two coffee roasters. One of them swings coffee. They'd been in business for 101 years or they were just hitting their hundredth year. And then we had another roaster up on Rhode Island Avenue in DC, which um, was actually a Pittsburgh based company. But so we decided we were gonna do locally roasted coffee. We could have done espresso machine. We, we didn't get to that point. And you know, in hindsight, it probably would have been a better option for us, but no big deal. You know, you gotta think about this Raju. I'm sitting in San Diego. We just bought a house. I've got a you know seven or eight month old son. And I go to Susanna and say, you know, what do you think about Moving across the country, you know, selling coffee off of a bicycle. Exactly. And let's say three of them. That's right. <laughs> well, that. We had some challenges with permitting initially in DC. So we went to Arlington, but the service on the bicycle was we had a kegged cold brew, which so I set up a tap system on the bike. So we were able to do that. I served drip coffee and we made pour overs as well and started to get a pretty good clientele there. At the end of that year, we started looking at houses and you know, we ended up moving early 18 to come here. If you look around, there's no major cities on the ocean on the East Coast. Now you could pick the highest populated places. I don't consider New York because it's not on the beach. You got to go out to the island. You, you got to go to Jersey. I wanted something where there was a major city and I didn't want to live in Miami. And I was, I had already lived in Virginia Beach, although I would consider it, I wanted a warmer climate. So Charleston became the focal point for us. And after coming to Charleston, making a couple trips, we had looked at houses. You know, my parents had moved to Bluffton that year and we ended up coming to visit them and drove out, pulled out a map and said, you know, what can we afford here? And 
in Hilton Head, and we were mm. shocked, amazingly shocked, that it was so affordable here. Because you know we were coming from the DC market and the San Diego sure. market, where you know we sold a tiny house for twice what we paid our in our exactly. yeah. house in Hilton Head. So one of our goals back years ago was to be able to be within beach cruiser distance of the beach. And so mm. when we pulled out the map, it didn't take long to look at you know a couple of houses. I came down and looked at things with Finn. You came back with me two weeks later. To the same house. We didn't look at any other houses. We looked at these, just a couple of houses right off of Beach City Road. We're, and... we're easy buyers. I think what we were craving was like, you know, DC. There's so many great qualities about DC, right? Sure. Awesome park system. You can get anywhere by bike. It's great food. I mean, great city and super intense, right? It's like you're moving a million miles an hour. And I think we were both craving, especially we have this then two-year-old, like we really just wanted to slow down and like enjoy some things and to take our time with stuff. I remember, I think it was so funny, the week that we moved, our whole kitchen is packed up and I'm like, okay, well, you know, let me just go on Uber Eats and we'll order food in. And I go on Uber Eats and it's like McDonald's is on Uber Eats <laughs> on Hilton Head. I don't know if it's changed by then, but I'm like looking, I'm like, okay. Ooh, so, because in DC, you could get any food you want on Uber yep. Eats. Move here, it's McDonald's. But I'm like staring at like the biggest kitchen that we've ever had. And I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, like this is the shift, right? Like we're going from like, we have access to everything to now we actually have time and space to like make all our meals in a kitchen that's comfortable. And so it was a really, just an interesting like shift and like slow down. I felt like I slowed down, like I was so ready for it. Like it didn't take me even like a week to calibrate. I had, you know, left my job and I was like, okay, done. We're just gonna go for walks all the time. <laughs> so yeah. you're living the fact that life doesn't have to be so crazy for you to really not mm -hmm. only enjoy, but, but be successful and actually work. You can work hard and yet, being this so let's keep this a secret let's not tell people about hilton head <laughs> you know Susanna's a new yorker but you know i grew up in that world i grew up, grew up outside of new york city you know even though i lived in the jersey shore for a while you know everything is there's constant commitment constant like go 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 and right. i lived in dc for five or six years before i moved to san diego and I remember when I moved to San Diego from DC, like I actually was like, wow, like you can actually just take a breath and like exactly. not have like somebody yelling at you. And, you know, it was just a, a shift change. And I think going from San Diego back to DC, the funny thing was, you know, when I was running this mobile coffee cart, I used to see the people that I was. I was those, I was serving coffee in the same neighborhood that I had an office. And I saw people I used to work with running down the street, looking at their cell phones, bumping into people. And I was just like, wow, man, shit's changed. <laughs> I remember being in Arlington and just like realizing like, wow, like this craziness. There's a lot of people there that get things done. There's also a great number of people that are doing things, but not accomplishing anything. And yeah. I think that there's a big difference between like, you know, looking like you're busy and then actually accomplishing things. So, so true. 43 um, years in New York, a native New Yorker. I mean, I just can't believe that yeah. we let life go pass by so, so fast. Yeah. And like if you let that guy make that turn in front of you in New York, you know, it's, it's over. Your, your day's ruined. <laughs> <laughs> no, in South Carolina, it's like, Hey, no, come on through. Go ahead. <laughs> I think going off of that though, experience going from DC to here taking on kind of like this slower living type of strategy and i mean it wasn't even that slow i mean 
Hilton Head smaller, but it's not like a small town. You know, there's 40,000 people that are permanent residents here. But I think that sort of laid the foundation of when we were looking on to take on another coffee business, how do we do it in a way that is going to also be reflective of the life that we want to live? Because we had been in a place where we didn't have any time. We were rushing around. The goal with our company was always to like grow organically and trusting that like small steps were going to kind of make the bigger picture. Hmm. And I have to say like that philosophy has like served us so much throughout our business because when we started, Doug was roasting coffee in our backyard. I was, you know, had both kids home with me. We were just doing like, you know, one market a month. It made everything that we've done in the coffee business, like every step that we had to take had to be really intentional. Like we're not going to just do stuff to do stuff. It's like every step we make is like, okay. And, and I don't want to say it was like, calculated because we are looking at options, but it was also intuitive, if that makes sense. It's like really like checking in about things. So for those sitting on the fence, <laughs> listening to this, Susanna, what is it that says, ah, maybe a spark goes off, but what is it the cat that could be the catalyst for them to say, I got to just have the courage to just, just do this. Yes, be intentional, but how do I start? What do I do? You know, these are all the overwhelm that happens. I remember this time with Doug, we were on the fence about it, right? We were on the fence about, do we start roasting? Because now not only did we have one kid at home, but we have two kids at home. And Zana was a baby. She was a year old. Doug was still working his other thing. He's doing real estate. I was like, I don't want you away from us a whole bunch. I don't want you to have to go somewhere else to roast and spend hours away from us. Like, does this make sense for us? I was really nervous about like losing what we had created. And I think what had us move forward was all the red tape that we thought was going to be there was not. So like we learned that we could just start roasting out of our house, like under, you know, cottage law, like coffee, you could do that. We could do just one farmer's market a month. And there was certain things that like, when I was like, oh, really, we can really start like these little baby steps. It just made sense. And it almost felt like the universe was kind of like pulling for us to do it having to fight for every little thing. I think sometimes our society glamorizes the fight. It's like, oh, well, I worked so hard for this or I fought to make this happen. And I think sometimes you can just wait for the universe to say like, yes. And when we had wheelies in DC, it felt like we had to fight for everything to like push and to make things happening. And it wasn't fun, honestly. I mean, Doug probably had more fun because he was out on the bike serving people. You know, you get this sort of these pushes of it's like, no, all you have to do is this. Like, this is really simple. It was almost like the path was kind of like laid for us to just try it. This is something that's driven by inside of you that you will deal with it versus the place where you were. It was all the fights that you had to put up with, you know, regulatory or otherwise. Whereas here, things were easier trying to contrast. I think there's different challenges. I loved living in D.C. for a lot of reasons. There's a lot of things I didn't like. In D.C., there's um, one of the advantages is there's more people. So mm -hmm. if you've got a good concept, you know, you, you get in the right place, you can usually make things work. We don't have the population density That's D.C. Right. has here in Hilton Head. So the place, you know, can make a difference. But I think the when you talk about does the place make a difference, I think there's opportunity in Hilton Head that, that actually, you know, kind of opened its doors to us. You know, that's probably the best way to, to say mm -hmm. it. it presented itself. You know, we were trying to do something. I ended up getting a coffee roaster for Christmas and I started <laughs> roasting coffee and, you know, I'm like, Hey, this is great. I'm, you know, learning how to do this. And then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, we give some to some friends and they're like, Oh, thank you. And then the next time it's like, Oh, thank you. Can we have some more? 
you know, giving out more coffee. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, I don't really feel like taking this from you. Can we pay you for it? And then they're like, you guys should open a place. You know, I was actually really excited about trying to do it. This podcast is called Bold Conscious Connections. And sort of a subset of that is Bold Entrepreneurial Tales, which is what I'm working on here. What does it mean to be bold to take that courage and make that decision to go forward, regardless of what it is? I mean, you can, you've explained why coffee, but it could be anything. Yeah, I think we were bold and conscious enough to do it the way that we needed to do it, to have our boundaries honored and to have the life that we want to live as well. Because mm -hmm. we may have been able to progress and move things further along, but I think we would have been sacrificing those things. When I know, like, I want to be able to make dinner at home most nights. I want to be able to enjoy my kids and have freedom. And so there was a, a very big, there was a very intentional balance of like, okay, how much can we take on at one point? So I think the boldness was also being willing to say no to things and to trust that like what we're doing is actually enough to move us forward. Because, you know, sometimes the entrepreneurial mindset is like, it's more, 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 more. I just yes. got to keep doing more more action. I got to get that out there to this people, that people and, and everywhere and to like everything to everyone, it burns you out. And so I think the boldness was also just trusting that like what these small steps are going to make the difference. At mm. least that's what it was for me. We think we found, you know, a need, so to speak. And I remember the conversation we had, Suzanne, this is the spring of 2021, April, we we're talking about this. And at that point, maybe I had soured a little bit on not doing the coffee business because I'm I'm busy, you know, like I got yeah. stuff going on and, and I got mm -hmm. a, you know, full-time business. And, and so I remember having a conversation. One of the things I found out was like, Hey, you know, there's, um, woman coffee growers and they mm -hmm. sell like woman produced coffee. Like, why don't we focus, just make it a woman owned company and like, have that be the focus. I'm like, and I remember I'm like, you got all these mompreneur friends. Why don't you just like tap into that and go grow this thing? Like, and Susanna was like, hold it. That's a great idea. Like, well, let's let's do that, you know, and obviously a lot of conversations sure. we had about doing this. Mm -hmm. I think one of the big things that we did is we got proof of concept by mm -hmm. taking some action. You know, for us, like the proof of concept was, hey, we're doing these farmers markets. And then all of a sudden, like it's growing, growing and we're doing some other special events. You know, we got to a point where we've you know, we needed wholesale accounts or wanted to get wholesale accounts. So we had to move to a, a larger space, which comes with a whole separate set of circumstances and hoops to go through. It's not the end of the world. I mean, we could have just sat there and said, okay, we're going to close down this business and, sure. and go for it, which is what a lot of people do. You know, we did that already. And, you know, with mild success, I think the taking action part was probably where, where this all lies. That's awesome. Action creates momentum. Maybe you see results and you know which way to go if, if you don't like the results, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So the other word is consciousness. You know, in our, in my book, we define consciousness as three levels, like life is happening to me, which is the victim mindset, or I'm in charge. Life is happening by me. Everything is under my control. And the third is you know, life is happening through you. You're just the instrument of life. You don't have to go with that definition. I'm just simply saying what, what we say in my, in my book. What does consciousness mean to you? And then do you have practiced this? Given that you are sort of, you come from the coaching backgrounds and, and you've been through the, what that environment of, you know, uplifting environment of coaching, et cetera, to, to overcome obstacles and be uncomfortable, take the action that's uncomfortable because you know there's something greater on the other side. What practices do you have, you know, with the both of you as far as staying in that consciousness, whatever that means to you? I think being personally responsible for things has been <laughs> drilled into me for a long time, whether it was through Landmark or at Lululemon as well. It was like, okay, how, how are we responsible for 
you know, what's happening and what's happening around us. And I, you know, I guess the one example that comes to mind is about a month ago, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, we really need some more like PR. Like we need some PR. Like why, why aren't there any like magazines doing articles? <laughs> and I was thinking about that. And I made this, like, there was this moment where I like asked the universe, I'm like, we could really use some PR, please. Like, would you help us out? And I didn't think about it after that. And then like two or three weeks later, I get an email from this guy from Daily Coffee News, which is like a coffee publication. Hmm. And it didn't even occur to me. And he wanted to do like a little thing on our uh, a write up on our opening. And it didn't even occur to me that like I had asked for that because in my head, what I had envisioned was like local magazines and local, you know, newspapers mm -hmm. and whatnot. And it wasn't until I was like about to jump on a call with him. I was like, oh, like I asked for this. Like, I right. just wasn't really specific about <laughs> like what publication. When you make a request and you just put it out there, your mind is shifting to look for opportunities where that will that will come come up. And sometimes they're not obvious and sometimes mm -hmm. they are. But I think by setting that again, it's like the intention and the awareness. It's like when you set your attention and awareness in one direction opportunities will be there. It's just, mm -hmm. it's our job to kind of pick them out and to try them. And then also to like the other piece of it is, it, I think it's important to be grateful for it. You know, yeah. <laughs> at that moment that I realized that I had asked for it, I was like, oh, thank you universe. Like you had that show up. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I, I didn't recognize it at first, but thank you. Like, I think that that gratitude for those opportunities is so, is so important. So beautifully said, really, that's, that's what I believe. So I'm, I'm so happy that you brought it up. Doug, you have anything to add to that? I look at consciousness as sort of awareness. I think awareness is something that is, it's a learned skill, you know, understanding what's happening in the moment with somebody or what's happening with your business or your relationships. It's a key component and it also requires an unbiased viewpoint, so to speak. Awareness requires really like a blank canvas, so to speak, to actually like see what's really happening. And I think it comes out in the way that our company provides service to people too. We operate a, a welcoming place. And it's really important for us to do that. So what are there practices you follow? That's kind of my question. Do you have morning, evening, other practices to stay aware or whatever, however you define consciousness, either of you? I go through fluctuations of when I have evening practices never work for me, but I go through periods where morning practices coming back into a period where I'm re-implementing the morning practice. What are sure. some of them? Uh, meditation for sure. Even mm -hmm. if it's just five minutes, like I think a five minute meditation practice of just sitting is super powerful. Yoga, journaling. I know Doug's a big fan of the cold shower. I'm like, not about <laughs> Yeah. This is so funny too. So Doug is always experimenting with, like you were doing some crazy lymphatic drainage thing yes. the other day. Like he's always trying new stuff, <laughs> but he was like hitting himself all over the other day. I was like, what are you doing? This is not Wim Hof, is it? That's another one. Oh, I, I think Wim, yeah. Hof, uh, Wim Hof breathing technique, man, it's pretty good. I just don't run on the ice in the Himalayas. I just don't do that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly think it helps if you're lethargic. But I've also, you know, I had a, a tough few months in the winter. I, I broke my foot at the end of December. And so I wasn't like doing my regular walk with the dogs. And that has recently started back up again. 
although I don't know that my foot's healed, but even today, like, you know, getting out and being out there for 25, 30 minutes and watching the sunrise and, you know, without distraction actually is uh, clearly there's a lot of things that, you know, the sun can do for you, but being out in nature and, and that to me is just a, like a, a great way to start the day. Um, yeah. Even if it's raining, I, I still enjoy doing that. And, you know, we've, we recently had one of our dogs pass. And so now I'm finding a new relationship with our other dog, which mm. it existed in a different way. And, you know, I, honestly, like she's sitting here in front of me. She had a great morning. Like she was alive. And, you know, those types of things, like I think starting the day like that, as opposed to, you know, getting up and literally like running to the coffee machine and getting in the shower while it's brewing and then running out the door, like that doesn't work. And I don't know why people do it. If you're in that much of a rush, just get up earlier. <laughs> like, I don't get that. Um, now, which is to say I've, I've never been in a rush to get out the door, but like being like aware of like how you're interacting. Because mm. look, once I, if I start doing that, you know what happens? Susanna treats me a little bit differently. It impacts the kids. Yeah. And then everyone has a crappy day. One thing I'd say is like, as a family, I think the one thing that we know that always grounds us is getting outside together. Shit is hitting the fan. It's like, we go to the beach and yes. like leave the, the phones at home. And it's like immediately a state shift. So yeah. I definitely think we're not always super structured with the practices, but they're kind of like woven into sure. our daily right. life, honestly. So what would be, given that you guys have been through this whole life together, what are two greatest leadership lessons that you've learned thus far that you may want to impart to others listening to this? I can think of two right off the bat. The first one is responsibility. The traditional way of thinking of responsibility is like, oh, well, I caused this, so I'm going to go fix it. Responsibility like extends into everything that you do and everybody you talk to. Look, if I have a bad interaction with somebody, like a traditional way of thinking it is to assign fault to somebody and say, oh, it's that person's fault. So they're responsible. Well, I don't look at it that way. I look at it as like, I'm responsible. No matter what mood that person may, may be in, I'm responsible and I have a chance to actually impact this. Whether it's after the fact or during it, I'm responsible. I'm responsible for everybody in my life and I'm responsible for what happens. Now, it doesn't mean that I have to take care of them. It just means I'm responsible. And, and it also means I'm responsible for the way I view it too. In terms of leadership, literally taking responsibility for what's going on is a really, really like vital thing, especially in a small business. Because if I sit there or Susanna sits there and says, oh, well, you know, this person's, it's this person's fault. We, we'll just go fire them. Well, it's like, no, 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 no. What didn't we do so that that person had the skills and tools to be able to react to whatever happened? If I sit there and say, oh, well, this didn't get done, so I'm a failure, that is a whole different ballgame that I do not want to delve into anymore. You know, I think that the relationship, my relationship to failure is, has changed dramatically. And I think it's really, really important because sometimes, look, I'll sit there and I'll let something get to me. I'm like, okay, hold on. We wanted to do this. We didn't get it done. What are we going to do? Are we going to restate a goal? We're we going to try it again. Let's move on. And I think that that's really important. I love the fresh start part of that earlier that you yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> And hey, you know, Raju, like I think the, as we're talking about this, I think it's something that our kids have like they know now. Absolutely. Like they even come up to us. You know what? We need to start fresh. That's right. And a skill to be able to let go things that are going on around you and just move on. Like I think it's a big deal. Absolutely. So Susanna, the question I have for you related to this is what advice would you give to someone, woman or man, doesn't matter, what they think might be really unusual 
sort of, you know, uncertainties of life today versus, I don't know, any other time. To anyone that is navigating uncertain times in their life, well, as someone who has gone through like some big shifts in my life, like I think it's also okay to take time to just experience what those changes are. And like, I think anytime you, whether it's shifting careers or shifting relationships or when there is, you know, people are dealing with health issues or whatever it is, I think there's a really important time to like sit back and kind of like experience what those things are and to allow yourself to grieve and go through the emotions and space to not just take on the next thing. And also to know, like, especially from the entrepreneurial perspective, I think it is important to calculate like when in your life you are about to take on those big things and those, you know, entrepreneurial journeys. And are you in the right state for that? Because it mm. does take a lot and it takes a, a very specific type of energy. And I know in my life, there's been times where I've been living and thriving in that energy and times that I wasn't, that I was in more of like a, I don't want to say like survival mode, but also needing to like nurture myself, like needing to nurture where I'm at and to, you know, heal from whatever. And like, that's not necessarily a time when I could be like pouring into something else or other people. Mm -hmm. So I do think it is important to kind of like assess like what like not just the health mm. of the business, but what about the health of you in you. terms of being able to like push that forward and like being okay with like, there's nothing wrong if you're not in that place right now, right? Mm. Like yes. we can't be in that place all the time. Like our life goes like up and down. So just being aware of that. I hope that answered that question. I feel like you know, I really well, really well, because most of us punish ourselves for not being able to do, do this, this, you know, that whole list that didn't get done today. And we punish ourselves as opposed to just taking that, you know, breath. You know, if you didn't get things done today, you know, just your body is telling you something or your, you know, your body knows before your mind does really. Your mind's in the body, yeah, but yeah. you just know that, you know, if you're not ready, just it's okay. It's okay to be where you are. So I think that's really important yeah. advice. And, you know, the external world where that's uncertainty that happened to us and then we got shut down and suddenly now it's that that caused us to do something. No, I think, I think it's our consciousness is at a level where we allow all that stuff to affect us in a way that that's not healthy. Yes, it happened, but there are so many things that happen in the world and there's always stuff happening in the world. And the question is how much do you own of it to affect you? But in that context, I'm gr grateful for your presence. What discoveries might you've had in this call for you? I think anytime you're asked like deep questions where you get to sort of talk about the past. Like it, it's very easy to get caught up in like what we need to do next. But I think just giving us time to reflect and kind of like appreciate our journey and acknowledge where we've come from. And honestly just makes me like present to like my love for Doug and just mm. that feeling of like, okay, like look at our journey. Like we have, <laughs> we have accomplished a lot and it's right. awesome. And so I, I think just to, allow us to like rediscover that through the questions is is always great it's easy to forget sometimes when you're caught up in the, the swirl of things yes doug anything from you what discoveries might you've had in this call in the vein of gratitude and yeah you know i has made me think about how i've over the years achieved goals and not achieved goals and one of those things is like hey you know if you really want to get something done it can get done as, as long as you want to do it and stay focused because there's some things that we've done that have fallen apart 
And, you know, I look back and it's probably because, you know, really didn't really, really, really want to make this happen or not. And, and so people talk about the journey or whatever, like, like the doing of it is actually fun. You know, yeah. like the doing of all this stuff is, is fun. And, you know, because I can tell you once you get to the finish line, it's like if there is a finish line, I'm on to something else because I've forgotten about it. Or, and, you know, like the trip is all the fun. We've spent some time enjoying it, you know, and, I, and we've been challenged as well. You know, I thought when the kids got into school, we'd have more time. And the opposite's true. It's been a challenge in that respect. But I think, you know, being able to enjoy those times that we have together and, you know, we see a lot of each other. That's been really important for us too. Well, I appreciate you guys. Great to get to know you a little bit better, Doug. I hope to continue this this journey with Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. It's been it's been an honor to get to have the deep conversations with you. Well, there's always more possible. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, and uh, appreciate you being here, Raju. Thank thanks day. so much for having us. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. I really hope you enjoyed this episode today. We strive to bring you conversations that make you think, reflect, and perhaps inspire you to take even one little step in your path towards personal growth and greater wisdom. Please download the show or the podcast episode that you just heard and leave us a comment so that we can continue to bring you meaningful and relevant topics in the future. Take care and thank you so much.